I'm Logan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Spencer. I watch too many movies, but Logan and Ryan say I haven't watched the right movies, so they're correcting that. Every week they'll pick a movie at random that next week we will talk about. Um, A few weeks ago in our intro episode, they told me I finally got to watch or got to see, I don't know, got to view St. Elmo's Fire. So we watched that over the last week, and we're here to talk about it. Quick, what's the meaning of life? Blowtorch, anyone? <laughs> Give it to me. Do not hand that man a blowtorch. It would be done. Never let be so tired at 22. There are several quintessential moments in a man's life. Losing his virginity, getting married, becoming a father, having the right girl smile at you. I just don't even know who to be anymore. Looks pretty out of hand up there. Marriage is obsolete. Dinosaurs are obsolete. Marriage is still around. This isn't real. You know what it is? St. Elmo's fire. Electric flashes of light that appear in dark skies out of nowhere. Sailors would guide entire journeys by it. But the joke was on them, there was no fire. It wasn't even a St. Elmo. They made it up. They made it up because they thought they needed it to keep them going and things got tough. Just like you're making up all of this. That sums it up, right? That's what we're doing. That's our show. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty that's much it. it. Cool. So welcome to our new show. And I'm not the host. They're the host. I just do the intro because they're afraid of them. No. <laughs> I just didn't have one in mind for this. So, um, Which is weird because like, when we started Automatic for the People, I was like, I know exactly how I want to do the intro. And this, I was just like, oh, I hadn't even thought about it. How are we going to do this? So well, now we've done it. Why? Why did you guys pick St. Elmo's Fire? Because I think you said that on the last episode, but it's been a few weeks and people may have skipped the intro. Why? Why are we? Why do we watch St. Elmo's Fire? <laughs> because you haven't seen it. Right. But, but there's like a lot of movies I haven't seen. So why did you pick this particular movie? Uh, this is it's been probably close to a decade since I watched it. Um, maybe not quite that long, but this used to be my favorite film of all time. And after rewatching it twice in the last week, I, I think it's definitely back in the top ten. So, what about you, Ryan? What's your relationship to this movie? Because it obviously that Logan's like in love with it. What's what's your deal with this movie? Um, it's pretty much that. I mean, it was one of his favorite movies, so we watched it a lot. I don't mind it. Um, I think it's better. I liked it more now than I ever have before. So. Uh, right. I guess we can get into that <laughs> later uh, on. <laughs> no, no. Like, I want to ask about this uh, text message I got. Because that's the, what I was saving all my comments for the podcast. The, the one that was a joke. I know there's not a literal fire. So, okay. Well, I, I was. that's why I was like, I hope you're being facetious about the fire. And A, not only is there not a literal fire, it's not even a metaphorical fire. Like, it's... That's the whole point. None of this exists. It's all like you make all this stuff up in your head about how important 
these things are. And then 10 years from now, you're going to look at it and go, well, that I was a fucking idiot. So that wasn't important. This is important. All right. Logan dropped the F on. That means all rules are off. Just warning you. <laughs> well, it was submitted as an explicit podcast. Well, no, I'm warning y'all. <laughs> oh, okay. Good deal. Um, yeah, no, I knew. I knew. I just thought it would be the very funny thing to do to be like, where's the, where was the fire? I don't understand. Um, it just, it's the obvious joke, the low hanging fruit. So I went for it immediately. Um, so since we've, well, I mean, I didn't even know what you were talking about. I was like, what (laughs) fire is he talking about? It was also out of left field because I didn't let you guys know I was watching the movie at that time. So I, I, I was know. like looking in Google, looking if there was like a big fire somewhere. <laughs> so what did you think? What did I think? Um, I did not like it. Um, oh I, I didn't. What? I said, oh, my God. Um, I did not like it at all. Um, I don't think that. Um, uh, so. My my letterboxed review is this is the prequel to America in 2019 because <laughs> these people are awful um, uh, and they just remind me of all the people who grew up to work in Washington D.C. today. Um, I felt like uh, half of them were Brett Kavanaugh and I didn't like any of them. And the women I felt like were treated like such objects that I just I just couldn't get behind anybody um and i didn't get into it at all that's the short of it we can go into as much detail as you want but that's the short of it about the women (laughs) what's that that's a pretty good point about the women i mean like Uh, i don't know like they're all it's all and i get that the point with like the male characters telling them you need to get married you need to marry me like i get that point like what they're talking about with like the men are trying to do what their fathers say, and the the fathers are trying to tell the girls to get married too. But like, except for um, the one, the character who works at like the soup kitchen, um, yeah, yeah um, she like is she has there's like an idea that she wants to do nice things, but there's like no real reason why, and she's also in love with the worst one of the group, um, and that doesn't because make that's sense. that's not accurate at all. <laughs> What's not accurate? Well, I guess maybe we we had different types of friends, (laughs) but I I know all of those people. (laughs) No, no. What I'm saying. No, no, no. I don't understand what you're disagreeing with, because I'm so far. I've said I see where all this comes from and what I'm saying. Oh, okay. So I I I, thought you were saying you did. You don't think that that's that's no, no. Like the male piece of it. I told like I 100 percent get. But then like what like what any of the feet like what they're trying to say about the female characters i do not think they're trying to say anything like at all like i think they're just there to kind of explore these male issues except half the movie spent with the females so it's it's not like they're not actual objects in the film and they're and so i just it drove me crazy because i was like i get all of these men and all of their motivations and all the things they're trying to say and put on these women and like, I don't think they're taking any of that thought with the female characters. And when that's fifty percent of your movie, I just felt disconnected. Well, that's a pretty good. So point. I, I just, 
don't, I don't see that at all. What really, do you the see? Female character that was, you know, a big part of the movie, other than somebody's arm candy or something, was the crazy drug addict. So. I mean, I mean that's a pretty good point because that, they only made a big deal about the crazy one. You don't know anything. Well, you do know about Mayor Winningham's dad, but you don't know anything about Ali Sheedy in that movie. I, I do think that like she's the one that's not uh, fleshed out enough to where you understand what she does, why she does it, like all of this stuff. She is initially only defined by like. Oh well, she's dating uh, Alec, and, and she likes Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> so, no, Springsteen is leaving this house. <laughs> so, okay, so let me ask you a question. So, this is the kind of movie, though, right? That, like, if we were to sit here and I were to talk to um, our age difference is like I don't know what six years, something like that. Um, and if I were to talk to someone who is six years younger than me about Garden State and what it meant to be in me in high school, like they would rip me apart. Like I have no doubt. Um, and so I, so I don't really like, I think this is generational in some ways, but I also can see how this is like a movie you could, you could connect with in a certain time and place. But I, I was watching it the whole time going, I wonder which ones, like which guys, Brian and Logan, like like saw themselves in in the movie so i'm curious if you're willing to be as honest and it could you can you can say if you want to save yourself today be like back then i was a total alec or whoever who did you guys like connect with in this movie back Uh, in the day i I think the only character i never am at any point in my life in this movie is well actually no that's not even true because i'm not the cool guy but i'm definitely the asshole uh i am all of the people in this movie Mm-hmm. At various points in my life, all yeah. of them. Okay. Well, that's kind of how I see the movie. As far as the male side of the movie, they're all, everyone at different stages in your life. Every guy, you know. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm not just guy, saying the guys. Every day, guy. females too. <laughs> oh. So you do well, a lot of drugs and sleep with your boss? N- no, but I. I've done that though. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, but the the whole self made drama, like, I mean, we have a whole podcast where my half of it is basically, like, you know, wondering why the hell I'm even alive. therapy <laughs> session. You know, when she when she's sitting on the floor and she's crying and she's just like, I'm so tired. I never thought I would be this tired. At 22 or whatever. That's my biggest problem with the movie. Not that. The fact that they're all so. Like. Let's move on with our lives. At 22. 23. Well that's the point. It would have been a better movie. If they would have been about 33 or 34. They're so stupid. See it's funny. you Spencer you're talking about how you. Think they're so unlikable. And I don't completely disagree with you at any point in time every character in this movie you're just like oh what the hell man Uh, i never feel that way about emilio estevez but go ahead really 
He's yeah. the creepiest, rapiest dude in the world. <laughs> he, he is, is awful. creepy. <laughs> he is like, awful. That's what I'm but, saying. Like he starts off as like, oh, he's kind of a nice guy, and then by the like hour and forty five minute mark in the movie, like you're like, someone shit, the something police. is wrong with this guy. But he corrects course when he realizes that they like, all do. He's crazy. <laughs> he's not really. But um, no, Alex just realizes a senator. Yeah, I, yeah, he stays the course, I'm sure, because well, you that don't, guy uh, you is don't a jerk see, off. you don't see what happens next. Like, Neither do hey, you. <laughs> I, well, I, I know, but that's part of what I like about this movie is that, like, it's a very, very small section of time, and it definitely, like, you get the feeling that there's all this stuff that you don't know about before you get to this story and all of this stuff that happens afterwards and you don't get the ending. I just think it's a better story if they're okay. 28 to 30, because I, then they can feel like they've lost like Demi Moore feel that way at 28, 29, 30 years old, their financial situation, right? That would make this all easy if they were a little older for me, because like they are all, living above their means and like so they so either they're very entitled and spoiled which is kind of how i read it based on their actual age in the film with the information given i'm like oh you're all just spoiled little brats aha the brat pack i get it now um or um or like they should have been i agree with ryan like 28 because some of the stuff they're doing and the money they have it's like I, i don't this does not compute because you're all talking about except for Mayor uh, Winningham, and except for her dad being involved and obviously having money, um, they're all sort of like they're working and that they're paying for their lives. And it's, I don't know, I just, it's just a lot of, it's very, very 80. It's all the bad stuff about the 80s and a bunch of 22 year olds. And it's, and it's, and I feel like it's played so that it will be this like, movie i'm supposed to empathize with these people on and mostly i'm like you're the reason we're where we are now you people <laughs> and i That's could and i really and i wanted to i wanted to like the movie because i, I there's not many movies that kind of that, this is kind of like the one in this grouping of films like that you like in this conversation of like john hughes movies and stuff this is the one i had not seen and so I, I just assumed I would like it in all honesty. Like I wasn't ready not to like it. And this is we'll probably talk about over the course of this podcast why I haven't seen movies that come up. This one I don't even have any random answer for. Like I just I don't know. I don't know why I hadn't seen it. I just always thought I'd like it. I knew I'd see it eventually. And I was kind of like, cool, I'm excited to see it. And good God, man, it just it went wrong quickly. So uh it was written and directed by Joel Schumacher, uh who I do think it's a lot of crap thrown his way for the two Batman movies he did. Although only really one of them is terrible. The other one's just, you know, kind of campy and stupid. So, um, but uh, this was, I want to say his first, like, I know it was his first big movie. He had directed like DC Cab before this, but I don't remember if he wrote that or not. Um, But this is based on his like his college years or post-college years. Um, And he kind of wrote it, not autobiographical, but kind of about the people he knew coming out of college. And 
he tried forever to get this movie made um a couple of years i think and repeatedly got turned down do you want to guess why because why because no studio thought that any character in this movie was likable at all. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I, I buy it. <laughs> I I just there's so okay, so I, I Joel Schumacher as a director is one of those things I also texted you like he's in my top 25 like watched of all times. I've seen just as many of his movies as Alfred Hitchcock movies, which is just a weird kind of random thing because of how his career has been. Um, so it's kind of got this amazing wide like variety of films. And, and it's funny, but I can see in the characters in this film, the decadence that he puts into like Batman and Robin later in his career. Like this is those people grew up to make Batman and Robin. (laughs) (laughs) and so i just i just see it sorry i'm getting my voice back after a couple of rough weeks so i'm sorry for coughing and stuff but it's um it is it's weird because i like that stuff about the experience of watching the movie because it feels like this i'm seeing and understanding a director more um having and and the fact that he wrote it and you know this is his story he wanted to tell that makes a lot of sense to me compared to his filmography so that kind of stuff i'm really really glad i watched it um to to sort of further my understanding of a director i've accidentally seen so many movies of bro <laughs> so i guess this is not your favorite Joel Schumacher movie then no no <laughs> no, I don't know if I. Let's, I wonder what my favorite is of his. Let's see. Lost Boys. <laughs> I was different generation. I saw it too late for it to be as influential. I do like Lost Boys though. Um. Let's see. I'm gonna be honest because of my life. Like it's got to be Batman Forever. <laughs> it just has to be. I, 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 you know, that's it's a fun movie. I think it gets, a, much like the Star Wars prequels, it gets a lot of crap thrown its way um, because it wasn't the movies that came before it. But had that been the first Batman movie out of the gate, people would have been like, oh, this is great. Like, let's keep doing this. So but yeah, Spencer, they let Spencer, him keep doing it. That was the problem. <laughs> Spencer's on the right track. If it was, I was going to say if it wasn't for the Lost Boys, I would say uh, Batman. Well. Batman Forever. I think um, I think Lost Boys. Looking at his filmography, um, Lost Boys and Falling Down are two I think of his best films. But my favorite. I mean, so uh, Alan Moore, the the comic book author, for those who don't know, who wrote Watchmen, gets all this credit for like bringing out the perverse sexuality of superheroes and stuff. But like, I wasn't old enough to have read Watchmen at this point. So when I saw Batman Forever, Schumacher's the guy who like weirdly sexualized comic books because of the way Nicole Kidman like comes on to Batman. And like, I noticed it then like I, I missed half the dirty jokes in like Batman returns when I first saw it, but Batman forever. I was like, this beautiful blonde lady is doing weird things with Batman and something's happening in my childhood prepubescent brain. And it was very, so he's my Alan Moore. (laughs) Maybe that's my problem with Batman returns is that like, it kind of traumatized me. When I saw that, because I was like, this is not how Batman should be. This, this just isn't how it should be. <laughs> and that's Schumacher for me. But I but like 
I just uh So all that stuff is fascinating watching this movie, thinking about like the life spent watching his other films that came after this. Right. It's just it's just a weird time capsule educational experience because I couldn't enjoy the film. So I always try to like that's the way I watch movies. If I'm not enjoying it, then I start looking at everything else I can look at and think about. And so I ended up really I'm glad I watched it because I have this extra piece of his career and this extra understanding. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely right. a time cat capsule type movie. Like, um, whereas, I mean, my my go to is always The Breakfast Club, where which came out in the same exact same year. year yeah, Did really. Been a yes. high yeah. <laughs> everyone's been a high school student. Not everyone has went to college and came out of college all self supporting and you know able to go out drinking every night. That's not an everyday kind of. It definitely fits in a bubble somewhere. I don't. I don't necessarily think it's a, like Alec. Yes, I don't think any of the other ones could actually. You know, it's like that episode of Friends where uh, they keep wanting to go to fancy restaurants, and Joey and uh, Chandler. Uh, no, because Ch- Chandler's got money. Is it Phoebe? It's Joey and Phoebe. And I think it's just them are like, you know, they always want to split the bell and they're like, guys, we don't have any money, you know, like you keep doing this. Um, But uh, I I think that it's that they're living beyond their means. Absolutely. For the most part, borrowing money from their dad or, but that is exactly what the eighties were. (laughs) I mean, oh, yeah. So, like, to me, more her character, Jules, is, like, two months. Um, she's basically done yeah, check into cash place but with her own employer. Like, she's she's in that system already because she can't even get a paycheck because she's two months uh, prepaid, basically. And she's also got credit here and there. And so she's, like, that's the whole – her whole breakdown comes is, like, the debt comes calling, which to me, like, oh, my God, they predicted the 2008 recession <laughs> – and like that's it's so weird how i just that's what it felt like it's like so maybe maybe this movie is genius because schumacher's looking at it going this is what we're gonna do and this is what's gonna happen to us all i mean Um, the the guy that's like the the leader of their group you know he's just like staunch we only know because they tell us he's a staunch democrat with all these like you know the president of like the college democrats or whatever like he's supposed to be uh, the guy with you know the the overall moral compass he's cheating on the woman he wants to marry he sells out his own uh politics for a bigger paycheck um like it's just so i i think it's more relevant right now than it was when it was released in 1985 86 yeah <laughs> So I know this guy, this is a true story, so I actually have to like not say names and stuff, but he started out as a journalist, and to have conversations with him when he was a journalist, my opinion of what his politics would be would be very like left, very democratic, right? And 
he leveraged his career in journalism to get into politics. And so I didn't pay much attention to it because we had parted ways and are basically only like Facebook friends, like because he had moved and stuff. And um, and I knew he'd gotten into politics and I just assumed he was working for some Democrat senator or think tank or something like that. And like come to find out he actually like has totally shifted. I did some investigating because this is what you do in today's day and age. And I was like, what's he posted on Facebook? What are his politics? And he went like hard hard right and works for like a really high level person involved with trump now and so it was very weird watching this because i could not stop thinking of that person because that's very i remember when he threw the best parties because we couldn't go anywhere there we just had to go to there like we stayed at our apartments because it was the cheapest thing to do but he talked about his art and his craft and his writing and the power of words and this all this very left kind of ideals that he would discuss and then now he's working for someone who like probably has lunch with trump every week and but is making a lot more money and is and it just that's I kept thinking of that guy the whole time and I was like this is real this is how it happens this is the world. <laughs> yeah, kind of true. And, and that that's part of the like reason that I like rewatching it now. I fell back in love with the movie. I was like, oh my god, like this is like so many people that I know and like so relevant to the modern world. Or modern I, America. I think that's why I enjoyed it more now is because I can understand the characters more than than it, it it's not as nostalgic for me as it is for Logan. But I did like it a lot more this time than having to watch it, you know, twice a week for three or four <laughs> years. <laughs> um there was did, a period of time I watched this movie every day. <laughs> so tell me you two What's the deal with Rob Lowe and the saxophone? Was like the saxophone the cool thing in the eighties that I just don't know about? Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it was. Depends the on who you thing. ask. I don't know. We 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 knew some people that played saxophone. Of course, I don't think they were very cool. <laughs> so. um, um, it, it wasn't not cool, you know. It, I mean. If if you were gonna have to play a wind instrument in band, saxophone was it. Like you didn't want to be Kenny G, you know. <laughs> you wanted to be Clarence from the E Street Band. But I mean, technically, we we were just kids, kids in the eighties. I mean, yeah. Uh, we 90, didn't know people that played saxophone though. <laughs> ninety is our decade. I mean, that's I was eleven, starting in nineteen ninety. That was my. <laughs> but all our movies were all eighties movies because of cable tbs um and and the video store and the video store for because we could get like five movies for what five dollars for three nights or something like that yeah yeah and there were five of us no there were six of us so there was usually some kind of compromise how old were you guys when you saw this for the first time um we were probably like nine yeah eight or nine uh, see, that's a, that's a whole different world, too, because then you have no idea of anything that's real. And so, like, these guys probably felt like they were 40, you know, and like it's such a I can I can see how this could be very influential <laughs> or impressive, especially at nine. Yeah, it, it at that age, 
yeah, 22 seems like they're grown. Oh, they're grown 40-year-olds. But, real, but we all know at 22, you're just not. Well, you're like them, only exactly. they have a little bit of extra money to spend. <laughs> well, they really didn't. They were living off their credit cards. <laughs> uh, um, and actually, it, it just comes off that way because of Alec and the whole Richie party thing at the end. Otherwise, you really don't see him flash. You know that, and that's another one. Like a, a this Kirby uh, Emilio Estevez. Yeah, who, I still want to talk about that. <laughs> who wants to be a doctor? Okay, which is fairly noble. Um, and then changes his. Or no, sorry, wants to be a lawyer. Decides to become a doctor, which is still fairly noble, and then throws all of that away to try to impress this girl who he's got. <laughs> just an absolute obsession with. Uh, well, he did that when he did decided to become a doctor. Well, he but he wanted, to, but that's still kind of noble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, he only did he would, it for her. <laughs> yeah, but at least that's he would still noble. be helping people. I didn't say his reasons were noble. It's still a noble profession. He yeah, would still but... be helping people in <laughs> some way. A... You got to be a doctor for the right reason or else you're not going to be a doctor very long. He reminds me of uh, Jason Siegel's character in How I Met Your Mother. Only what like he doesn't have that like obsession part of it. But I, I don't know if y'all remember, but very early on in that show, he like he's this idealistic lawyer wants to, you know, help save the environment and by the end of season one, he's working at Barney's giant corporation to help pay for his wedding. And it, it's just like, yeah, how easy is it to sell your values for money, man? To just watch them go by so you can it's get a big definitely effect. easy in this movie. <laughs> uh, or uh, drugs, money or drugs. Everything's uh, out the window for money and drugs. <laughs> That's exactly what happens in this movie. Well, love too. Money, drugs, and love. There. I'm no, there. I don't. I mean, love in the like friendship kind of way. I don't think there's much actual love in this movie, like romantic love, which kills me when people talk about the like quote unquote romantic theme, which is the the instrumental Saint Elmo's Fire theme. Like it's called the romantic theme. I'm like, this is not a romance movie. <laughs> It's like the complete opposite of that. I, so the more we talk about it, the more I like things. Like I'm thinking about how at the beginning with Emilio Estevez, when he sees Andy McDowell and he's like, it's like instantly head over heels for her and like remembers her from high school and all this stuff. And like, I thought, oh, this is going to be like, this is going to be the one to root for in the movie <laughs> in the, in the first couple minutes. And cause it's kind of like fun. He's quirky. And I realized like, that guy in high school or even college, I knew those guys in college too. Like, yeah, at first you're like, oh, he's totally into this person and he's going to do anything he can. But then it's quickly becomes creepy and bad. And so like, I'm kind of liking the darkness of this film because I think potentially based on its reputation, Schumacher sort of tricked people into loving these terrible people. <laughs> and And like, but he's aware of it. And the more we talk about it, the more I feel like he's aware of it. Um, oh, and so like, I'm kind of thinking this is like a really well done prank. And I like it. 
I don't think of it as a prank. Not um, the movie itself, but the, like the idea that hey, we're I'm gonna make you fall in love with these people that don't deserve your love, and like, and I mean that like sincerely. Like I think that's what he's trying to do, and I think it's what he accomplished based on its reputation and what he obviously did for the careers of all the people in the movie. So, so Emilio Estevez has my favorite <laughs> moment. Okay, with the picture when he gives her the picture, and that's what <laughs> when I say he course corrects, like. If he was really that obsessive, he wouldn't have gave her the picture. So he's kind of like, I'm being stupid. And he gives her the picture. He doesn't need it. He'll remember her in this for the rest of his life. And he's like, okay, let me get back to my real life. I, I do like when he gives her the picture. He, t- he just looks at it, hands it to her, and then gets in the car and drives off. Well, so th- that scene and one other scene, um, I, I retroactively realized St. Elmo's Fires, um, it's influence on a very very popular romance movie um that i like and i know logan likes a lot i love actually there are two scenes in this movie that i went holy crap love actually just cribbed on these scenes and it's when andy mccarthy or andrew mccarthy's character gets sort of revealed to be in love with the girlfriend so she sees the pictures of herself in the box it's the same thing yeah. as when Kira Knightley watches the video. Um, and then later on with the picture with Emilio Estevez, that's the same thing as right after uh, Rick from The Walking Dead is done with the flip cards with Kira Knightley and then walks away. It's the same thing. Yeah. So this is weirdly influential, too, on a movie that I really, really like. So, so go think those are, are probably my two favorite moments in that movie. Which one? Which movie? Uh, Love, actually. Okay. So, um, like, well, that explains it. <laughs> well, the Kira Knightley scene may be my most heartbreaking, like, moment. And then the the way it brings it back around, he's like, okay, this is over now. I'm done. No yeah, more. I don't, I don't cry at many movies, especially if they're not sports movies. But that scene really made me cry. Oh, dude. I, the minute he starts talking and love actually about the airport like i just start crying like the minute he starts talking uh i i just i can't i can't handle that movie at all i don't know we bought a zoo made me cry too so mm-hmm. <laughs> um but so we've talked repeatedly in over several podcasts about this idea that at any point in time, you are not the good guy of the story, mm-hmm. like in real life and, you know, how kind of unrealistic that is in film, unless you're, you know, talking about superhero nonsense or whatever. But so many dramatic movies, it's always about like, oh, this is a legitimately good guy. And like, even in Love Actually, there's several people in that movie who are like portrayed to be <coughs> oh this is a really good guy and bad things just happen to him um colin uh first character uh to name one like nobody's that great like i love his story and it's very sweet but nobody's that great you know he 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 there's no flaw to his character Whereas, like, somebody like Alan Rickman, his story, like, really, like, 
it's one of my favorite stories in that movie because he is portrayed as like he doesn't not love his wife or his family or his life as a whole but he does something really really stupid and for this like moment in time he is the worst person and he has to deal with the consequences of that and i think all of this movie is us seeing all of those moments are some of those moments in these people's Giant lives. train wreck. <laughs> I, are you telling me that there's not segments of your life where you are a giant train wreck? Oh, no. And yeah, this is definitely all of those people's giant train wreck all happening at the same time. And maybe they get better and maybe they don't. And, you know, you can decide for yourself. But, you know, it, it is their, what they think is going to be their, the beginning of their life winds up just being the end of their childhood. And it's an ugly, bitter end, <laughs> but it's the end. This is how they learn to grow up by doing all this reprehensibly, morally, you know, sometimes morally gray things to each other you know that scene when they walk by the bar he's like i thought we'd be friends forever you know forever got a lot suddenly a lot hey, short you know you know like two things down from that bar is the uh, clock tower yeah or back to the future <laughs> yeah it was filmed on the universal back lot i thought that was pretty cool <laughs> no i mean i i'm with you man I, i'm following i um it's retroactively i don't think this is a movie i'm ever going to go back to like like just because i want to watch it again if someone like if ezra one day wants to watch it or something like that i that's probably how it will happen um call logan he'll watch it with you (laughs) yeah that's it there you go your uncle logan's cool enough to explain that one to you um but but like i get what you're saying and and i'm seeing some things in it where maybe I don't think it's as bad of a movie as I thought it was initially, which is why I think I'm going to like this podcast, just talking to you guys about them, because these are going to be movies that mean stuff to one or both of you. Um, and that that helps, especially in sort of translating something that just that it was hugely a huge part of the culture that I just missed by a few years. And so <clears throat> I think that. That's really cool, and I'm glad to get that insight. I still think they're all pretty uh, – to steal a word from someone else, they're pretty deplorable. Um, but um, but that's okay because I'm seeing why that the movie's dealing in that because I, I feel like my first reaction was this movie wants me to like these people. And then I think now I look uh, – in talking to you and sort of looking at it, I think this movie just wants me to sort of experience these people. And, and see how that reflects upon life itself. And I think it does. I think it does. I know a lot of these folks in different ways. Never such a concentrated group of these people. There's usually <laughs> like one in each friend group that's like this. Um, but um, but I like what you're saying, Logan, about it sort of being this is all of us at different points in our life in one friend group. I like that. Right. That's what I said. <laughs> Oh. He already takes credit for everything else I say. Uh, 
Okay. <laughs> then Ryan said it. I didn't say that. You can go back and listen to it, though. So. I don't know what just happened. I give the wrong credit. I apologize. No, no I don't know. I was just messing with Ryan saying that's what I said. And oh. I, I mean, yeah, we we were both kind of saying the same thing. So. Um. I text you a message. Yeah, I saw that. But you texted it in our group text so that, you know. <laughs> well, then you can just text it to him directly. This is terrible podcasting. Oh, podcasting oh, text my text. bad. I didn't know that, that it was. I I thought we all knew what was on the list. <laughs> nope. Nope. Right, so, Spencer so what has no clue what's on the list. So what they're talking about, listeners, is that uh, they're going to, when they pick the, the next movie at the end of each week, I'm not going to know what it is. Um, and I know they, they ran a bunch of movies by me like, I don't know, a month and a half ago. And I have no idea what they told me. But basically I said, yes, I've seen it. No, I haven't. And so they have this list. And they're going to pull from it for the next week um, and at the end and tell me what the movie is I've got to watch. Or for the next episode, I should say, because we're going to go every two weeks. So that's what's happening. Is they're, they're coordinating, but they did it in our group thread so that potentially it could be spoiled for me. And I don't want it to be. So don't do it, guys. Don't do I did, it. I, I texted it to him directly. Oh, yeah, my bad. I was unaware that you did not know the. Uh, the, yeah, the there's only one movie I know for sure it's going to come up at some point, and that's Willow because it's been such a running personal joke between all <laughs> of us. And the the remaster is going to be on uh, available to rent very soon. Um, so yeah, I, I think we'll we will the week that that comes out or what wherever it falls in our rotation, no matter what that we should focus on willow i agree if nothing else it will if 12 people listen to this podcast and go i've never seen willow and maybe i should watch willow so i can hear them talk about it it will have been worth everything well there you go uh no i agree with you i agree with you um so what did you think about the song what song the saint Elmo's fire theme song man in motion which got a like when they played it in into the spider verse i wish you could have been there to see the smile on my face i wouldn't have seen it cuz i would have been watching the movie <laughs> um i don't know i don't even remember the song really cuz they play it 97 times in the movie at some point I, I was just sort of i don't know it just sounded like the 80s I don't know. I don't. I just didn't pay attention to it in some big way. It didn't have some big effect on me. I apologize. That's. You should go listen to the song. Uh, that wasn't uh, written for the movie. What's it called again? Man in Motion. Man in Motion. Hold on. It's actually written for a Paralympic uh, athlete, and then got basically bought to use in the movie. Um, I don't. Uh, John Parr uh, sings it. I think he wrote it. Yeah, doesn't that just sound like the 80s? Yes, definitely does. <laughs> just like Stan Bush's The Touch. Sound quality and everything. I love this song. I absolutely love this song. Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. I do remember the song. It's all coming back to me. I blocked it out. <laughs> uh, you're killing me. You asked for this. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I do. I don't want to come to the show. I don't come to any movie you guys bring to me. I'm not going to come to it with like a closed mind. I really am not. I, I was 
primed for it. It was like it was I was ready to watch it. I'm just excited. So I didn't come to this warning to dislike it. But if I don't, I'm going to honestly dislike stuff about it. That's fine. I wish I had a time machine so I could go back to when you were like 14 and say, hey, watch this movie. But I mean, but if it makes you feel any better, I saw Garden State like four times in the theater and probably listened to that soundtrack hundreds of times. And that has Coldplay on it. So, you know, it just it is what it is. So I like it's I think I do feel this is like a generational thing. And I look at I look at the rich white people having problems in Garden State and I'm like, are you kidding me now? And so, like, I I, I do feel it's that kind of movie. Um it just had a bigger, a better cast that did many better things uh, than, than most of the people in Garden State, except for maybe like Natalie Portman. <laughs> that's, that's pretty true. Uh, this movie actually features more of the Brat Pack than any other film that's considered a Brat Pack film. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That um, makes sense. Uh, can we talk about how Rob Lowe doesn't age? At all, but at least he got a freaking haircut, MacGyver. <laughs> and stop wearing that cross in his ear. Oh man, every time I saw that, I just wanted to yank it out of his ear. I just hoped the fire would happen Girl. sooner and his hair would burn off. Uh, um, but it's sound like so this movie old, was two old guys. <laughs> so this movie was 30 years ago. Am I on the Grumpy Old Man podcast? We're stat. What's the Statler and Waldorf? What are they called from the Muppets? That's us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that what? No, it's over thirty years ago. So, <laughs> Rob Lowe looks almost exactly the same. Technically, he kind of looks better. That's the weird part. It, yeah, he does look <laughs> a little bit better now. Like people talk about uh, Tom Cruise, but. Oh my god, man, like watching him. I'm like, you can see like some of the aging, you know, just in that like his face isn't so like like he doesn't he doesn't have like that baby face anymore. But it's ridiculous how little he's aged. Whereas like you look at Judd Nelson. Like look at Judd Nelson now, and it's (laughs) like well, I mean it looks like Judd Nelson, but it definitely looks like an older version of Judd Nelson. An older, fatter version of (laughs) Judd Nelson. (laughs) Don't be mean. Like Val Kilmer. Uh, Val Kilmer, who's going to be at the Atlanta Comic Con next year. Yeah, sorry. I'm probably not going to go. <laughs> um, I, I was looking, trying to pick the next movie, but I'll stop looking now. I'm being distracted. I mean, uh, we can wrap it up. I, I mean... I don't have anything to say. I love this movie for all of the reasons I talked about. I I think the song is great. I think Spencer's crazy. It just, he doesn't understand 80s music. <laughs> I don't understand 80s music. Don't put me in a box. Don't do that to me. 80s pop music. You probably get into the 80s like emo stuff. What, uh, the, what is that? What is that? <laughs> He's putting you in another box. <laughs> you know, The Cure. Um, I'm a Springsteen guy. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, this uh, is a well-known fact about me. It's the one thing I related to Alec on. I was like, damn right, don't let her take the Springsteen albums. Doesn't matter what you did. They stay with you. 
That's we such should, a good one. We should line. make Logan watch that spring scene on Broadway. That I still haven't good. watched it. I still oh, my about... God. I should make both of y'all watch that. Yeah. yeah. I've been busy rewatching watching St. Almost Fire. Actually, I tried to watch True Detective Season 2, but... That's, that's a bad happening. season of television. Yeah. I made it 10 minutes into the first episode again for the second time, and I was like, I, I, I don't think I can watch this. It really so. takes a long time to not tell much of a story <laughs> at all. You talk about bad people, like when... Uh, uh, oh, everybody uh, in is bad. <laughs> Colin Farrell yelling at his little kid, what happened to your shoes? I was like, oh my God, chill out, dude. <laughs> this is how bad that season is. I got to the episode, to one episode, like, a, I don't know, episode two or three or maybe four, I don't know. And I had that many in. It was like, I'm out. And then everyone freaked out and said, like, one of the craziest, like, wildest, can't believe they put it on television ever, like, orgy scenes, like, gets talked about, like, being in the next episode. And I was like, yeah, I can't even bother. Like, it doesn't even matter. (laughs) I didn't even go back to watch that. So this this whole season is, uh, like, sex-obsessed? Like, it is all just about sex? I, I don't know because I didn't get past, I didn't even get to the crazy part, but there was a crazy part and I didn't watch it. But that's no. the impression I. It's not all about sex. There's a lot of cop stuff in it. Detecting. Okay. I mean, I don't want to be prudish, but like, I was just like, I don't want to hear these people like talk about their sex hangups or, you know, whatever for like eight episodes. So, not after I just got done watching like four seasons of Luther and was like. Oh my God, this show's amazing. I love Luther. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, let's pick the next movie, Ron. Um, well, I mean, I can't, since he doesn't know the list, I'm having a hard time here because I can't just go, what's, well, oh, I can do it like this. I can pick the one of the ones about one of the crushes I had as a kid. Oh, this sounds or wonderful. I, yes, that one. Or I picked one of the ones. That were like really launched my like science love of science fiction. Um, I mean, whatever. I uh, I choose the crush. I choose the crush. Uh, All right, we're we're gonna go with um, which one? There's two of them. I figured we could go with the demo. We'll go with. Uh, no, I'll go with uh, Legend of Billie Jean. Sweet. Okay. More 80s music. What if I like it? And I'm going to come back and be like, yeah, that song just sucked, Logan. I swear <laughs> to God, if you don't like Legend of Billie Jean, I don't even know it. I, I'm not going to know what to say. It's going to be me being quiet for an hour. So just to let everybody know and remind people if they didn't watch their um, – their, they didn't listen to the original uh, – the intro episode, I can veto their choices and basically delay it an episode and throw out a wild card of my own pick of movies they have not seen. So the pretentious foreign stuff that I love, I can make them watch. Um, so just to let you know, that's coming at some point, but I'm not going to do it for a while. I want to like get y'all comfortable and make y'all <laughs> think I'm never going to do it, and then I'm going to do it. But um, I'm excited because I've almost bought this movie like eight times just to force myself to watch it. Because if I own it and I spent the eight bucks or whatever, then I know I'll watch it. But I never did. So this will force me to finally check it out. So I'm excited. So I, I have, Go ahead. 
I have no idea what it's about. From the cover for a while, I thought it was like some sort of lady rollerball movie, but I don't think that's right. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> it would have been great if you awesome. thinking that that's what it was, and like five minutes into the movie, you would have been like, oh my God, that's not this at all. <laughs> oh, I wish you totally would have just told them, yep, that's what it's about. <laughs> so here's the thing. I know it's not that, but I do also have no idea what it's about. So, um, let's see. Uh, St. Elmo's Fire was available on uh, Amazon to buy. Is Legend of Billie Jean? Let's see. I'm checking now. Uh, also, St. Elmo's Fire is now streaming for free on IMDb's new uh, like streaming thing. It has commercials, but um, it's the movie's uncut. So if you can deal with the random IMDb commercials, um, you know, and also aren't turned off, if you didn't watch it, aren't turned off by Spencer's completely wrong opinion of the movie, then <laughs> I'd say no must fire. Um, yeah, you can rent Legend of Billie Jean on Amazon. Okay, cool. <laughs> did you rent Say No Must Fire? I did. I guess I owe you four bucks. No, 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 no. I'd rather I'd rather give my money to support the home video than to watch with a commercial so, or the ad thing. And so I wanted to, uh, no, no, no. We were good. I'm glad I got to give four bucks to the Brat Pack. Some of them could really use it now. <laughs> Not all of them, but I'm some most, of them. Most of them are still working. I don't yeah. know what Andrew McCarthy's doing. Which one? Andrew McCarthy. I don't know what he's doing now. Dude's working, too. I looked him up. I looked all of them up, but he's, he's definitely still working. So, yeah, you can actually rent it on Amazon for $2.99. It's also on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube for $3.99. So I would, I would recommend the Amazon $2.99 rental. Yeah, so, booty $2.99, too. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do it. <clears throat> so, yeah, Legend of Billie Jean. Definitely a female-centric film. So... Hopefully yeah, that ought to help get get you over that. I, I would like to point out. <laughs> I would like to point out that this movie passes the Bechdel test. Is Christian Slater her brother? Are they related? Helen Slater and Christian Slater in real life? No. Okay. Just uh, curious because I was going to wonder that, and if they like kiss or something, I was going to be weirded out. So I'm glad <laughs> to know. <laughs> Mr. Robot. There you go. I'm your sister, Elliot. I just pulled Mr. Robot for you. Um, for me? No, for anybody who hadn't I watched I was about to say, guys, I've watched Mr. Robot. Come on now. Um, actually, Andrew McCarthy just directed two episodes of that uh, Night Flyer series for the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, yeah. I, re I remember that he was directing. He did uh, 13 episodes of Orange is the New Black, 10 episodes of The Blacklist. Blacklist with James Spader. I did know that. That's how I knew he was directing. Yeah. Uh, James Spader also, uh, I guess, a member of the Brat Pack. Did he count? Uh, kind of like he's like a cousin of the Brat Pack. Like him and him and Robert Downey Jr. were like part of that scene, but took off like so, like went on to be in such bigger things than the rest of them. So. Um, so yeah, go rent Legend of Billie Jean. I can't wait to talk about that movie. Also, oh. one of my favorite films. 
So probably about two more weeks for that one. Yeah. For listeners out there. I cool. might go watch it today. I'm not watching it today. I'm watching another 2018 release from my pile of screeners. Uh, yeah, I need to, to borrow some movies from you. Yeah, whenever. I'm getting through all the big ones quickly, like the, the kind of flashier titles faster. So that way, if you want to borrow them, I can just give you a pile of them. Yeah. All right. I guess we don't have a sign off, just like we really didn't have an intro when we started and Spencer came up with one. So. <clears throat> Ryan, I'm excited about your pick. I really am. It's it's got to be uphill from here. It really only could be. So <laughs> look at no, no, there's some bad ones on here. There's some bad ones on here. I've, I, I'm looking forward to the ones that are bad that I can enjoy anyway. You know what I mean? Like there's that yeah. there's a couple of these movies. I'm like I'm not gonna think this is a good movie, but I think I'm gonna have a hell of a time watching it. And so I'm looking forward to some of those too. All right, go watch a movie, everybody. Bye.